Hello and welcome to the PK Soccer Youth Coaching Podcast with me, Paul Kelshaw. During this time, I will be discussing many topics surrounding the youth game and what people like myself are doing to improve the standards of coaching, player development, spectator understanding and personal growth, especially here in the US. I'll be giving my opinion as well as talking to friends, colleagues, past and present, who have had a positive impact on my own personal coaching development but whom I also believe are having a positive impact in the game today. Today I am joined by Stephen Jordan. Stephen is currently the under-12 to under-14 girls director at Tennessee Soccer Club. Stephen is a former technical director with the Long Island Rough Riders and FA Skills Coach. He holds a UEFA B and a USSFC license. I first met Stephen when we were both participants of the USSFC license in Orangeburg, New York. Today we discussed Stephen's pathway into coaching, his role with the Long Island Rough Riders and the English FA. We also discuss his move from Long Island to Tennessee and the steps to gaining full-time employment with his current club, Tennessee Soccer Club. Hi Stephen, thank you for joining me this evening. Hi Paul, thanks for having me. You're welcome. First, if you could tell us, give us a brief introduction of how you got involved in coaching. Sure. Um, I guess it starts um, way back now when uh, when I was at university. I studied coach education and, and sport development. Um, so I always, I always knew I wanted a uh, a career in 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 soccer or, or football, as as, a, as it was in England, um, and. And as I kind of got towards the end of my uh, my degree, I'd I'd been out to America, had a couple of really um, positive experiences, got to see a little bit, and and I kind of found out about other opportunities in uh, on the on the East Coast doing some doing some coaching. So I thought, hey, this is a good chance to to go and see a bit more, um, gain a bit more experience, do some coaching. Um, I did it. I did two uh, two nine month contracts. Um, with UK Elite, and then, and then I kind of realised, yep, this is this is what I want to do. Um, came back to England for a few years and, and kind of worked uh, worked with the FA, did a little bit more through schools and 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 just carried on carried on going and and one thing led to another. So I had um, in you know reading your bio, you were told you'd mentioned that you were an FA skills coach for yep. what what's involved in that um so that was that was a, a really fun position um it was it was part of an initiative from the fa to to help help coach players from five to eleven year olds so it was everything was was working with the youngsters and um and at the time there were so many good Good, strong coaches in, in England that, that really wanted to, to coach at the academy level or the you know the professional clubs, um, but very very few coaches at the younger age groups where um, it was it was clear that that they needed more. So so my part of my job was to go into to schools, into clubs, and uh, and work with the the coaches, work with the teachers, um, and try and just help them coach, give them ideas and. Um, and kind of provide more options for 
for the five to eleven year olds uh, outside of outside of the, the schools and clubs as well. So how did that compare then to to coming to the states to the coach? Were a lot of those um, the games that you would have played or the the skills you would have taught? Did they transfer? Uh, some it it was definitely very different. You know, in in England, a lot of the games that we we focused on were. Um, were you know on, the, on the, the games-based approach where we'd set up things and kind of let let them play a lot and, and work on social skills as well. Um, but as you know, in, in England, everybody understands understands football, and and, and I didn't have to explain rules. Uh, in in the US, the, the first few experiences I had, it was all technical. It was all trying to teach players, and and a lot of players wanted to know where to go, what to do, and and always. Um, be instructed you can just say hey go play go do this because a lot of them didn't watch uh, so so it's definitely different what did <clears throat> and were you mainly coaching in in new jersey or did you travel all over the states when you so to begin with i did uh i did some work in maryland for for nine months and then some work in virginia um based in those areas working with all different ages levels um, and and then when I went back to England, it was I was obviously with the FA, and and then I got the opportunity to come back and uh, and work uh, in in New New Jersey, um, but also to help kind of build the the company I was with into into New York. So that was when I came back, and that was with the the New Jersey Soccer Group. Yes, so that was the company. The company was called New Jersey Soccer Group. Uh, and then they had different different parts of the company, and and it was Sone Soccer, the, the coaching organisation that that I was coaching for uh, in in New York. So then you had more of a administrative role as well as you know an active coaching role with that organisation. Um, to, actually, to begin with, it was all it was all coaching, like a lot of uh, organisations that. Um, the key was to to get all the coaches out on the field as much as possible. So we were working in different clubs, doing different, whether it was team training or uh, individual sessions, or, or working with the the real young ones. Um, and then, if you wanted to progress, if you wanted to do more, there were there were opportunities. And um, one of the things I I always loved and wanted to do more of was was some of the the winter indoor programs. So I kind of took over some. Um, futsal programs, which was my opportunity to to do more. Uh, obviously, there was admin to that, um, but to kind of build my own program and give give myself more opportunities to to lead things. So that obviously, I've been in a similar position as well, and I've done when I first started coaching, I'd done nine month contracts, and obviously with winter, everyone's does move indoors, and there's. There's less coaching hours to, to go around. There's less teams that are going to train throughout. So that must have kind of give you that extra stepping stone, really, to making this a, a permanent thing here in the US that you could concentrate on those on that winter indoor coaching. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, you know, financially, it really helped. And and for you know any coaches come over that. You, you know that's always a that's always something in the back of your mind that you're always kind of pushing to to help yourself at. Um, but also for me it was just it was great because the teams that I was coaching 
a lot of them weren't doing too much over the winter and um, you know I was able to to really help them get more training um, improve them as a player which you know was was hugely beneficial to to us when we went back out in the spring season so uh, it was yeah the, for, for a lot of reasons it was it was really beneficial so so it seems then you've already got like um, you're used to going in from your work with the FA going into schools talking to to teachers working with different kids and then the roles that you've had or your early roles in the US where you're setting up programs indoor programs so I'm sure this gives you all the experience it leads me to my next question of how did it come about of of joining the Rough Riders on Long Island and and your role as technical director you talk about that yeah sure so um, I'd obviously been in the US for for a few years. I'd, I'd um, been been working on trying to get a long term visa. Um, the the work in New York had, had led me to live in in New York. We we kind of progressed the work and, and worked with a few clubs uh, where we were able to move in there full time. So me and and it was actually just me and one other coach. Um, so we were there for a few years and and. One of the was one of the struggles, I guess, with with anyone coming over is you you know you're tied to the organisation that it's very there's very little wiggle room to um, to look elsewhere. And um, I was in a, a a relationship that was 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 obviously getting serious at the time, and um, and I got uh, I got married um, early 2014 now, and 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 that gave me obviously the the ability to to get a green card and. And kind of look for other positions. Um, straight away, there was there was one at the Rough Riders, which uh, s- somebody who I'd known through through emails, through uh, occasional conversations. I knew who the Rough Riders were. Um, he reached out to me, uh, and I I can't remember where he saw my resume, but he reached out to me and said, "Hey." Uh, I'm actually leaving, and uh, he was he was going off to the West Coast, and and said the Rough Riders were looking for somebody. If this might be something that you look, you know, you want to look for, or look at. Um, so I also sent it in. I uh, I met with um, the bosses there, and and it was it was a pretty quick movement to to step over there. The the role that I had at the Rough Riders was um, was very exciting. It was. A couple of different positions kind of combining to make a full-time position. So I was a technical director at a local club at Oceanside. Uh, I was able to continue working on the the winter and the, the futsal programs. Um, so there were some select programs that, that went through the summer and the winter. Uh, and then I was able to still coach high-level players through the Rough Riders Academy. And again, I know I know just from um, from living here on Long Island. Obviously, big emphasis of the Rough Riders coaching, having their own indoor facility. Kind of, I'm sure that was, you know, a big drawing point as well, being able to continue those, those winter programs. What is um. So how did it work then with the role with with Oceanside Soccer Club? Was the, it was se- as kind of separate to the Rough Riders, but were you trying That's to get it. them to? So I guess so. Ocean Oceanside uh, hired the Rough Riders to come in and and help um, work with their with just with the academy team. So it was all the younger players um, 
from from U7 up to to U11 at the time, uh, and we basically ran all their training. So so my role was to make sure the coaches were prepared to to give them the the session plans, create the curriculums, and the, and then work with them to to make sure that um, there was a pathway that we were looking at. Obviously, long term player development, um, and uh, and be there for support. Right. And then we. Um, like I spoke to Andrew Crumier last week, we just like that we met on the on the sea license in Orangeburg in 2015, and uh, we talked a little bit off air about that. And we were, I was interested about you know because you had worked for the FA in England, and it was 2001. I did my FA level two at university, which I'm sure is extremely outdated it was you know just binders of handwritten notes um could you talk a little bit of the um compare like the fa youth modules that you had had done with the c license sure yeah so the so i did my b license in uh my uefa b before i came out to the states and, and at that point it was still very uh I guess old school now where very much command style uh, the, the instructors want you to do things a certain way and uh, and then coming over you know doing doing different licenses in the in the US was, was very very different just you know the, the methodology that and the way that they want things it's just different and and that's great to, to continue learning um, but I did do those the FA youth modules with while I was while I was working with them, and uh, they were one of the best courses that I've ever done. And it really, and it's really just because they focus completely on the child. There was there's very little on um, on adults because you know they had the UA for B, the UA for A for that. Uh, everything was all right the, at a young age. How do you coach? What what little things can you do? What little changes can you make? Uh, and there was very little. You have to do it this way. Everything was was a discussion. Every everything was looking at not just the physical, technical, but but really the social aspects of coaching, um, the psychological aspects that uh, are also really important. Uh, and I feel like that that gave me so much more knowledge, so many more ideas that um, that's that's definitely improved me as a coach. Yeah, because when I did uh, the FA level two. Everything you would do, I am um, like a, a small-sided game, like a maybe like a three v one. I remember being one of my topics in like a ten by ten yard yard grid, and then the main emphasis of the course was everything was out of six v six. You would be given um, a topic, and it was six v six, and then you would you would coach that you had to make a stopperage in the in the game, and then. Basically, I can't remember now. Maybe made to make two to three stoppages, um, and then that was that was your assessment. It was basically maybe you did like a ten minutes, ten to twenty minutes, uh, and then the session was because well, we were all university students, so they didn't need to bring in players. It was just the the candidates were the players. Was. Is that a similar format? I know things have changed a lot in England. 
Yes, I, and I know things have changed again since since I did these because now they have the youth A and, and youth B awards, um, which weren't there when when I went through these. So the the youth module one and two, um, there was no pass or fail. You had to do one, and then you'd be able to do two. And and it was obviously you had to to be there and and take part, participate, and um, and the first one was. Uh, very much kind of learning games that work with with young players and um, and then really talking about how do you change things how do you adapt sessions if they're not working if some, if you need to make things harder or if, if there's there's one kid that's finding things too easy how do you make sure that the flow of the session doesn't change but you can you can help that one player um, or vice versa you know the the other end um, and then it wasn't until the third uh, youth module that that you would actually have somebody come and assess you working with your team and that's where it got a lot more detail um but uh, but i know that, that that's changed and there's there's even more so that, you know they're constantly updating these and, and and hopefully making them better each time obviously yeah so as well with your with your role with the with the rough riders how did it compare how did the the club coaching that you were doing compare to the level we're in the academy that you are coaching. Um, I think well, the Rough Riders, I, I, I definitely worked with with every level, uh, and I think from going from um, my position with with Sony Soccer and and just working with teams to the Rough Riders, um, it was good because I could I could really think about different. Uh, different levels of the game, different levels of players, and um, and and kind of work a bit more on um, on really developing developing players as opposed to just developing teams. Um, I would have young players to work with. I'd have the the Rough Riders Academy that would be you know they they were in the New York City affiliation league, um, and that was that was a fantastic level to 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 work with. You know some of the best players in Long Island at the young age, um, who were were really being challenged. Um, and then the next time I'll be working with a, a a club who it's it's really kind of teaching them how to play. You know whether it's nine v nine or eleven v eleven. So I, uh, that was continuously changing, um, but I enjoyed that the constant having a you know having, working with boys and then working with girls. And did you have a lot of administrative roles with the yes. Rough Riders? Yes, a part of. Being full time meant that, yeah, there was a lot of other things to to help with. You know, that we had a team that we would help each other because sometimes one person would have more going on than somebody else. For me, it was I was very busy during the winter, during the summer, um, and then it was more focused on my teams over the the spring and fall. Um, whereas others who potentially would be doing summer camps, they would need more help in in the summer. Uh, you know, from other coaches. So. Um, it varied, but but we we're in the office four days a week doing, you know, for for a number of hours doing things. Yeah, I had similar position when I'd worked for Noga on Long Island, and it's um, obviously some of those jobs can be be tedious. Maybe it's a lot of brochure printing or distribution. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, but it's all if you, um, I guess we've been lucky enough to have full-time soccer coaching career so it's um it's really the rough with the smooth 
And one of the main reasons I wanted to speak to you today was I was very intrigued with your with your move to Tennessee. I know you initially moved there because of um, for family reasons, and I knew that you were somewhat thinking of taking a, a back step from coaching for a little while just to to look after your your newborn sons. But could you? Explain how how it came about you coming to work for Tennessee Soccer Club. Yeah, sure. So, um, so my wife got offered a, a job, and this was this was actually just after we moved out to Tonga Long Island, um, and and it was in Nashville. So I'd never been to Nash, never been to Nashville, never been to Tennessee. Um, to be completely honest, I didn't know where where it was exactly, and my wife was was very open said hey this is this is opportunity but there's no pressure um but you know we should go down for the weekend and have a look so so we flew out and straight away you know we were there we spent the weekend um in downtown nashville which is you know unbelievable uh, city and um straight away i i said yes there's uh I really loved New York and, and loved being there, but I'd been there for five years. My wife had been there for, uh, for over 10 years and we just had uh, twin boys who were now at the time it was, they were four months. Um, I had already decided that I was going to take a step back from full time, uh, so that I could, uh, spend days with them and just focus on coaching in the evenings and weekends kind of to, to balance the, the schedule. So, so we kind of accepted the position and it was all within a few months. We actually, uh, I think it was two months we, we were out there. Um, but in those, in those two months while we were planning, I, I reached out to, at the time, I think it was four different clubs in and around Nashville area. Um, sent them resumes kind of, I didn't know anybody there. So it was, a just throw it out there and see what comes back to me. And, and everybody, all the clubs got back to me. Some, some really, you know, great uh great conversations we had i'd um i remember two of the two of the chats i had were, were over an hour long um just talking about what the area was um like for soccer and um and really them kind of asking me lots and lots of questions and uh, you know in a very friendly friendly environment so it was it was great and by the time i'd um me and my wife came back out I'd narrowed it down to two clubs that I was going to, you know, choose between. They'd both offered me uh, positions, so I met with both, and and Tennessee Soccer Club just seemed like a, a fantastic fit. We'd we'd spent some time in Franklin, which is half an hour south of Nashville. Um, it was easy that that's where we wanted to live. You know, the the schools were fantastic for the boys. Uh, it wasn't too far out for my wife to drive into Nashville, uh, and the club had some some real great um philosophies and and just it just seemed like the right fit so so really from from doing a little bit of of online research and i guess what some cold call emails you're able to to get you know to get your foot in the door with with a club what was some of the was there any um field assessment or was it was it just an in-person conversation um, no, there's no, no assessment. It was a bit crazy that, um, I guess the timing was really good as well because the season was just finishing. 
and the, and the clubs were all looking to to get the coaches organised for the following year. Um, but I but when I came into town and, and met with with a couple of the guys at, at Tennessee Soccer Club, um, I I kind of hoped that, that they just trusted me and believed you know my resume and and obviously were willing to to take a chance on me. Um, yeah. Well, because I, I look online um, when I was doing some of my research, and it seems like a, a really large club. There's like, you know, um, fourteen, well, like fourteen, fifteen full-time members of staff. Could you uh, just tell us a little bit, like the size of the club uh, and and what the club's all about? Sure. So, the the club has grown a lot in the last year. We actually merged with uh, Nashville football club last year uh, so we now are located in in franklin brentwood which is kind of the the hub and then we also uh, are in nashville and murfreesboro and and so we've grown from um i think in total we were between a thousand fifteen hundred to to definitely over two thousand now um but the yeah the, the club it's 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 non-profit which is different to what i'd worked with in uh, on the east coast um and, and straight away the the vibes i got were uh, that they are really focused on uh quality quality of coaching looking after coaches and making sure that uh, uh and and really putting putting players putting uh, everybody first before the the winning the you know the the other stuff that maybe not as important when you're talking about younger players well i know from um was speaking to Andrew last week on the podcast. Um, he he actually coached for the club he'd played for as a child, and they had gone through several name changes, and they had actually merged with other clubs. It seems to be um, more of a common common thing. It's not too common on Long Island. I only um, really know of a few clubs, maybe further out east on the island not i've not known it so much happen in the nassau county region where i live so that's um the fact that it's now the tennessee soccer club it must have quite a big catchment area for players yes for sure there's so in tennessee the i mean the some of the biggest clubs uh, outside of us you're then having to go to knoxville or memphis which are three hour drives um so we get I mean, we get players driving in from two hours away for training two, three days a week. Well, that's a, that's a big commitment. But I, but really, what I I was looking at through some of the teams that you were coaching, and there um, so am I right in saying some of them were ECNL teams? Yes. So they they must be like they're, they're obviously high high level teams. How does that compare? The, the standard of play, how does that compare to what you'd coached before in the States? Um, it's definitely high. These are some of the best players I've, I've worked with, for sure. Um, I'm right now focusing on the, on the girls' side and have been for the last couple of years uh, at, the, at the 13-, 14-year-old um, age. And, and some of the players I worked with in, in New York and, uh, and Long Island were were very strong, but I don't. I, I would say that the teams I have 
that I've been working with recently are, are the strongest teams I've had. Um, you know, I definitely saw some unbelievable individuals on the East Coast, and, and I'm sure there are. I know there are teams that are uh, just as strong. Um, I, I probably played against them more than than I coached for them, but uh, but as a as a team in a club, they're as strong as I've I've seen. And for for working for for Tennessee Soccer Club, it it seems like there's a big support group. Like I, I noticed that there's um, you know there's several directors there's with different roles. What what's like the coach support group like? Is there a a lot of in-house training, or um, they encourage you to to continue your education. Uh, they definitely conti- uh, definitely help and, and support. Um, I think if there was something that somebody is is keen and interested in, literally you can you can ask, hey, can I do this course? And if it's in the budget, if they if they're able to help with it, then then they'll do that for sure. The the, the coach education, I'd say, is done more through through meetings, through constant discussions. Um, we do have a lot of full-time staff. We do have a lot of directors. Uh, and it really helps when we when we are able to get together. Um, and, and that's often, you know, except for the last few months. But, uh, but we would get together and, and, and work on different things uh, throughout the year. Uh, and it's fantastic to bounce ideas because there are some amazing people, amazing staff that we have. Uh, and I'm constantly learning from them. Um, uh, you know, I hope that there's there's always an exchange of ideas, and um, we kind of end up with the the best idea possible. But there's yeah, definitely a lot of support and and fantastic experience as well. People that have been coaching all over the country, you know, international staff as well. So every, everybody's got their own uh, background, their own experience, and uh, and I think that helps when you bring it all together. Yeah, definitely a huge benefit when you've got other coaches around you with with different backgrounds and people that you can bounce ideas off and and work together. If everyone's on the same page, everything is always going to obviously go a lot smoother. Stephen, I I really enjoyed speaking to you this evening, um, especially you know your insight into into moving to a new state. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. I've not spoken to Stephen since he's moved south, so it was good to catch up and learn more about his coaching career. If you're involved in soccer, I'm sure you've had to move town, county, state, country, or even continent to further your career or professional experience. Although Stephen's move from New York to the south might not be unique, I do admire his decision. He had to quit a full-time job and start a new family life in a new state. I also give Stephen a lot of credit. Although his move wasn't for soccer reasons and he had planned on taking a break from the game, he made this decision to spend more time with his family. I also find it heartwarming that the people of Tennessee were welcoming and friendly. It must be a daunting task to quit your job and move to another state. It's encouraging to all soccer coaches that Stephen got his foot in the door at the Tennessee Soccer Club because of a little bit of online research and some cold call emails. Now Stephen seems to be enjoying his coaching more than ever and he has settled nicely into his new surroundings.
Thank you for listening to the PK Soccer Podcast. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Kelshaw, Instagram at Paul Kelshaw, like my Facebook page at PK Soccer Inc., or send an email, paulkelshaw at pksoccer.org. I would also be grateful if you could give the podcast a review and a rating and share with your fellow coaches and friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.